Welcome to Cartronomics with Arjun. The show aims to unravel the layers of the fintech sector and the rapidly evolving tech startup ecosystem across the MENA region and beyond. I am your host, Arjun, and I will be inviting founders, executives, investors, regulators, and other influential stakeholders to discuss and dissect the highs and lows of their own ventures and how they foresee the wider ecosystem evolve. Join us as we celebrate success and the spirit of risk-taking the candid discussion that goes past a timid question and cautious answers. This show is produced in collaboration with Adyan, a reliable end-to-end payment solution that enables businesses to turn payments into a strategic growth driver. We're also brought to you by Lulu Financial Group, a global financial services provider headquartered in Abu Dhabi and operating in 11 countries. Finally, Couchonomics with Arjun Singh, is brought to you by M2P Fintech, Asia's leading payment infrastructure company that enables businesses of any scale to embed financial products. Welcome to today's episode of Couchonomics with Arjun Singh. I'm your host, Arjun, and I'm joined by uh, a CEO and co-founder of a company who's come all the way from Karachi, Pakistan. His name is Umair Ansari, and his business's name is Abhi. Uh, which focuses on early wage access and SME financing. So with that, I want to welcome Omer, who I'm constantly going to make a mistake and keep calling him Abhi because my younger brother's name is Abhi, (laughs) which is also his company's name. So Omer, good to have you here. Thank you so much, Arjun. I hope the couch is comfortable. Very comfortable. Might fall asleep. (laughs) <laughs> don't do that. That's a risk we don't want to take. So, so, so with that thought, let's dive straight into it so that we'll, we'll keep you aware. Omer, uh, we've obviously uh, had the fortune or the good fortune or the misfortune, whichever we like to see it, of actually meeting at an event which was organized by the Pakistan Fintech Network. I yes. think I was the moderator on an event which looked at financial inclusion in Pakistan. I think you were a part of the panel. Yeah. Uh, following which we've had uh, you know, a couple of conversations in person, spoken several times uh, remotely, right? Give us the, you know, the inspiration for an investment banker out of New York, right, to move to Karachi uh, and start um, solving the problem for the masses, if I may say so. Yeah. Um, I think I asked my that self, myself that question every day. Uh, <laughs> still haven't got the right answer, but... What the impetus was at the beginning um, was throughout my career in investment banking, I've always focused on emerging markets and lived across different countries. So though my last role was in New York, I spent predominant part of my career in places like Nigeria, Kenya, South Africa, uh, Dubai, uh, Hong Kong, London, of course, and New York, but always focused on emerging markets and thus spent 90% of my time in these places. Uh, mm-hmm. So though my base may have been these Londons and New Yorks and everyone makes fun of me because I don't know all the f- fun places to go to because I just spent my time on a plane. Um, but it was very clear, at least when I did my second stint in, in Nigeria with Rencap, um, when we did our first transaction with Safaricom and M-Pesa, kind of light bulb struck of the idea that finance and financial inclusion can happen outside the banks. And that stuck with me. And this was early. I mean, this was 2012, 13. 
mm-hmm. uh, before fintech was even called fintech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is just like this telco is giving credit. It wasn't even credit at the time and evolved into credit, but kind of stuck with me. And I focused on that a lot from both a, a research perspective as well as just an investment perspective. Um, and so starting a lot more projects alongside of that. So in Bangladesh, in Kenya, in South Africa, um, Brazil. When then I started seeing a lot more investment opportunities happening and these companies actually forming into something that was beyond just this pitch stack, which sounded utopic, uh, into something that was actually happening mm-hmm. and real and real impact happening. And having been part of that journey across these different geographies and different companies, Pakistan stuck out for me. Now, originally from Pakistan, uh, had seen the emblems of what's happening over there, but not much, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And so three, four years ago is when I said, look, if, if this is happening in Indo, if this is happening in Egypt, this is happening in Kenya, why can't this happen in Pakistan? Mm-hmm. And that was the beginning of it. I uh, went through my ups and downs in terms of cold feet and yes, I'm going to do this to then getting promoted to saying, yeah, I'm going to sit back and not do this. And then finally pulled the trigger and said, you know what, if I don't do this, someone else will. And really, I think uh, COVID probably did accelerate that decision. Uh, it's probably something I could have waited a little while uh, if that if that didn't happen. But the one that kicked in, I was like, you know what? Let's go. Let's give it a shot. I was lucky enough to have raised a little bit of, or had at least a promise of some venture capital funding to go and give this a shot. Uh, and so, yeah, that that's really the the basis of it of no, why I decided I, to jump into it. Good on you, and I envy you. Some people go create businesses; others just land up with the podcast, <laughs> right? So, uh, so well done to you. Now, now, excuse my ignorance, right? Um, um, uh, I have been a cheerleader. At least I think I've been a cheerleader for. Um, you know, uh, the concept of serving the underserved, whether it is the, the blue-collar worker or not even the blue-collar worker. I think there are people earning significantly more money than what we classify as blue-collar who are, you know, who have been underserved by the banking, traditional financial services world. And as far as the SME financing is concerned, I don't think a week goes by in my job, which which is what I do for a living, which is management consulting, where I do not speak to at least one party in terms of the opportunity that sits there. Uh, give us some numbers in terms of, you know, what's the opportunity uh, on both sides? Uh, as, as you said, EWS, uh, early wage access, EWA and SME financing uh, f- from Pakistan perspective. So yeah. what's the opportunity? What's the problem that you're actually solving out yeah. here, right? And I think that's, that's the key point, uh, which a lot of places where fintech fails is where they come in with this one, just an idea that's worked elsewhere and copy-paste, but don't localize. And also not necessarily fixing a problem. So one thing which I was always focused on doing at RIAR is a credit-first solution. Mm-hmm. Why credit-first? Because at the end of the day, the country is credit-starved. So you talk about stats. Very simple stats, just high level. Um, you're talking about credit to GDP being less than 1% in the country, mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you're talking about 17 million odd bank accounts in a country where you have 230 odd million people, but an addressable audience of about 70 million people. Mm-hmm. Uh, country with 
500,000 unique credit cards. Mm-hmm. Tiny, right? So barely scratching the surface. So people are credit starved. Yep. They are not other means starved. So they're not wallet starved. They're not payment starved. Cash, everyone talks about digitalization and this is the best way for these countries to move forward and it's so much easier for the individuals. No, 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 no. Nothing is more frictionless than cash. Mm-hmm. So you really need to incentivize someone to be able to switch to digital. Agreed. Now, the only way you do that is let me fix a pain point that you have currently from a credit first perspective. So to dive into why EWA first and why I chose this, uh, and then with the SME financing, which came in later, it was always part of the vision, but came in much sooner than I anticipated. Why EWA? Very simple. People, pay cycles in Pakistan are horrendous. So... If you're lucky, every 35 days, it can go as bad as 90 days, right? Uh, you're talking about core inflation in the country right now of being around 13 to 14%. It's been higher. It's been slightly lower. Wage inflation never keeps up to it, right? SMEs make up about 85% of the, the country in mm-hmm. terms of GDP. SME owner does not increase wages according to what minimum wage requirements are, which only gets adjusted every time an IMF come, big figure comes in, right? Mm-hmm. So... You may say, yeah, this is what the minimum wage is, but no one actually adheres to it. So then the average person is constantly living paycheck to paycheck. And what do they do currently? And what are they doing before we came along? They were going to their family and friends and saying, bye, give me a short-term loan. Mm -hmm. I'll pay it off once my paycheck comes in. All right, within the family, economics happens. The second is you actually can go to your boss. So you go to your line manager and say, listen, you guys aren't going to pay me for another 40 days. I need some money. Give it to me and cut it for my next paycheck. And that goes through the whole sequence of line manager to HR, HR to CFO, gets approval, comes in now. That's something where I said, okay, this is a, this is a pain point. We can, look, I'm not, I'm not saying that I created EWA in any way, shape, or form. But the idea is very simple. If you work over 300 days of the year, why you only pay 12 times. So let me help you when it comes to accessing your earned wages instantaneously because it's your right to access it. So I come in and say, you need access to the money. I'll let you do that through very easy app, two-way SMS. We have an IVR feature. We're coming out with the WhatsApp feature as well. Um, that allows you to just be able to access your salary very instantaneously. You don't have to speak to anyone about it. It comes directly to you from our balance sheet. End of the month, we reconcile with your, with your boss or HR, yeah, CFO, your employer. Okay. That's part one of the business. Now, the size of that opportunity, massive. 65 million people employed in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Average salary, about 150 bucks. So you're talking about a $9 billion a month payroll market. Mm-hmm. So if I get 1% market share, I'm doing $90 million a month in transaction value. Mm-hmm. Big enough opportunity. Agreed. Right? That's one part of it. And it's only increasing. And it's only increasing. Second part of it, SME. Um, as I mentioned, SMEs make a predominant part of the economy and yet are completely underserved from a banking perspective. Yep. So you can say that about the UAE. Exactly. And look, it's all these markets. It's, about, it's even the US. It is no, a huge problem in the Massive, US, right? Yeah. Right. So Cash App was able to solve that for a lot of the companies. Yeah, yeah. In it, the US. It, well, let's, let, you know, my, my favorite point on, on the US is that there are more payday loan outlets than McDonald's. Franchises. There you go. Right. And this is a developed economy. Exactly. And that's predatory payday lending. Yes. 
which goes up to six six hundred percent APR. Exactly, which is not what we're doing, right? Yeah. Um, and so SMEs, we said, look, you have a, a problem over here. Uh, not necessarily on the attrition front. So a developed market EWA player is very much more focused on fixing the welfare of the employee. Very different mantra from an emerging markets. Yes. In emerging markets, I'm not coming in and saying, yeah, you're going to retain your employee base. Like, yeah, really, it's interesting, but that's not really what moves the dial for me. Where I step in is saying, look, what are your pain points? It's your working capital cycle. Why is it that in developed markets, you have SMEs that are able to ride out cycles much smoother comparatively to emerging markets? Because the, the wave for uh, developed markets is much smoother comparatively, and the access to finance is easier, especially being able to outsource your working capital requirements. Mm-hmm. very simple things, like inventory financing, for example. That doesn't exist in these markets. However, large companies like your Nestle's, Unilever's, Engro's, they have account payable days to their supply chain, which are majority of the SMEs in the country, mm-hmm. of close to 60 to 90 days. So you've rendered your service, you've done your service, but you're not going to be paid for 60 to 90 mm-hmm. days. So imagine running a business like that. Like I've done my, I've done my deed, but I'm not going to be paid till then. So I need to control how I use my expenses, especially salaries, before I'm able to control it. So okay. That's where we step in and say, okay, let's fix that. Right? Okay. We'll come in, we'll give you invoice factoring. So you, sh- you present that invoice, which we will test back and forth between you and the end issuer, and we'll factor that down to today. So we're able to fix your working capital cycle okay. and smoothen it for you to last through cycles. We'll then control and help you when it comes to your payroll and payroll financing. So Just this is... Part of working capital? Exactly. And beyond being a key part of working capital, it's also the bedrock for finance for employ for the consumer in any of these countries. Mm-hmm. So we're gathering we're basically one of the cleanest databases in the country now when it comes to employed individuals, salaried individuals for Pakistan. Because we know exactly how much you're making. We're dispersing it to you. We're seeing how often you need to withdraw it in order in an interim basis for you to meet interim bills, whatever it may be. And then we're helping the business as well. So let me ask a question before we go further. So are you just doing invoice factoring or are you also doing working capital financing? Invoice factoring, which basically allows them to do working capital. So you're not in the business of looking at revenue streams and then coming up with... Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Let me ask a question, right? And and And... Please choose the fifth if you if you choose not yeah. to answer this question, right? So the intent was to start the journey with uh, early wage access or earned wage access, whatever you want to use the E for. Yeah, you obviously very rapidly realize, and I I, I totally agree with you. Uh, you know, uh, I'm ethnically Indian. You're obviously uh, working in Pakistan uh, SME owners. I'm not suggesting that they're inhumane, but let's be honest: employee welfare is not sort of top priority for them. So obviously you decided to say, let me solve the problem with the SMEs to basically get them hooked on to my primary offering, I say quote in, you know, in inverted commas, my EWA, uh, uh, early wage access uh, problem. And you're factoring, so you're obviously now taking uh, a factoring risk on predominantly large players, you mentioned names like Nestle and so on and so forth. Are you creating a level of systemic risk for yourself in this business? Too early. Too early 
to create systemic risk. Right. Because the portfolios aren't big enough. Right. But it is something that is the back of your mind because yes, right, yes, and it happens uh, eventually. Yeah, but when the credit cycle only just begins in this segment, it's hard yeah. for you to create that systemic. Yeah, risk. and and I would imagine that you would that risk actually becomes more truer as you start diversifying those invoice factoring, and you're starting to now bet on possibly the payers are not the Nestle's of the world. Exactly. Right? Because there's a lot of those around too. 100%. Right? Who are not going to pay on the 60th day and the 90th day. Exactly. Right? They might not pay for six months. Yeah. Right. Sorry, I, 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 I divulge. Yep. So, so, so was that the hook for the SMEs? Yes. Very simply. Uh, and that's where, how we went into this much quicker than I anticipated because the pitch for EWA required this for us to get access to EWA. Because the average SME owner is like, it's cute, you're trying to help my employee base, but I need help as well. So what type of SMEs are you targeting? Are, are, you, are you sector specific? Are you size specific? Are you geographically specific? Um, so without yeah, yeah. giving us the secret sauce here, is, is there, um, you know, what's the criteria which sort of leads you to sort of say, these are the SMEs that I want to go after? Yeah, so typically it's an SME that has a large blue collar worker workforce okay. our, our sweet spot. And what's large so large is anything above about 200 employees awesome how many smes do you have on your books is that something which you're willing to share yeah you so, us a range of course so we're northward of 200 now excellent and and you've actually been in operations for six less, seven months yeah because i remember meeting you when yeah. you were just about launching and you hadn't launched that yeah yeah you hadn't launched that so great so so actually the run rate is quite yeah quite good right um let me switch, mm. right? I'm going to take you a bit more macro, right? Uh, to me, outside India mm. uh, and possibly some countries in, in Africa like Nigeria, the two big, big countries, or maybe if I may add, three big, big countries, Indonesia, Philippines, and Pakistan, mm. right? Um, I don't know the population of Philippines. I don't think it's as big as either Indonesia or, or Pakistan, but Pakistan's north of 250 million people. Indone Indonesia sits at 350. Paint a picture for us. Tell, tell us what's really happening on the fintech scene in Pakistan. Uh, give us the sort of the grassroots view, not, not the nice printed reports that yeah, we all yeah, read, yeah. right? What's kind of working? Where do you think... Uh, 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 Areas need to improve. You know, I personally, from the outside, uh, I, I'm very impressed with the progressive stance the state bank has taken, mm -hmm. right? Um, um, are they doing everything perfectly? I guess nobody does, yeah. right? But they seem to be progressive, or at least if you compare them from five years ago or 10 years ago, yeah. it was incredible. I, I met a couple of uh, women entrepreneurs. I was, I, was, I was fintech entrepreneurs, and I was superbly impressed by what mm -hmm. they were doing and the kind of support they were getting. Give us a bit of a flavor of what's happening in Pakistan. Yeah, look, it's it's very impressive. As you mentioned, regulatory, massive support. Uh, it's open door. So this is something where I was speaking to someone who's in the crypto space, in fact, and this is probably where they're backward. Uh, but he said, look, the two... Who isn't? <laughs> uh, I'll leave that until they get there, hopefully get their license. Um, but yeah, the, the, the fact that you can literally knock on the door for the SVP and say, look, I have an idea, and this is what I want to do. They not only go, and I did that when I before I went in, and luckily I was wearing my Morgan hat and, and, and VEF hat before I, I launched, but I went and met with, um, with, with the state bank, and I said, look, this is my idea. Uh, 
And they said, look, don't bother with the regulatory route right now. Go improve the model first. And this is how you buy, get cover in a sense, so that you can prove the model before you go and spend all that money to get. So there wasn't a sandbox, but they basically yeah, took your way exactly. The good thing about EWA is it's technically not lending because I'm giving yeah. you access to your salary as you uh, earn yeah. it, etc. Yeah. So <laughs> it's uh, it, you can play around with that for for it to work. So, but they they were very clear about that. And they said, look, test it out, try it, make sure that people actually want this, right? You may go and do this and no one actually wants your product and what's the point of having all the bells and whistles? So very open and helpful in that way. Uh, the way there, I'd say what's lacking is definitely certain of the vision, right? So as, as I said, crypto, still a lot of backlash against crypto, despite Pakistan being Binance's fourth largest market in the world. Uh, there's still a big push against crypto, which I think is short-sighted. But there's definitely a lot happening on ground uh, when it comes to, like you mentioned, grassroots startups, but there's a lot of funding that also came in last year. So it's interesting that you went on the macro because things, I think, are going to turn uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, And so we'll see... Who's swimming naked? Yeah, so let, let's talk a little bit about that. I, yeah. You know, I, I, I fundamentally don't think, you know, central banks or countries which are taking their due course in regards to crypto is necessarily a bad thing. Yes, if you're a founder, you're seeing it from the, that perspective, it is. Let's be honest, you know, the Central Bank of Pakistan or the State Bank of Pakistan, which plays the role of the Central Bank, you know, they've got some massive, massive challenges of today, right? As you, as you said, you know, you've got 65 million people Right, who are not getting wages on time? I'm exaggerating the mm. point, but you know, you got you got SMEs which are which are which are sort of underserved. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, you have uh, 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 gender inequality issues in terms of access to financial services. Right. It's all well and good, right? Mm. I we could wait crypto. We could wait six months for crypto. Yeah. Right. And, and and I think the crypto markets themselves have to demonstrate use cases. Yeah. You know, which which will drive. I, I personally think my view is stable coins will come first, right? Um, I think most parts of the world will go towards some form of CBDCs, mm-hmm. whether they do it on the on the B two B, the wholesale side, before they actually tinker on the retail side, and then yes, all the coins of the world can open up so that we can all buy bitcoins, which will all go to a million dollars, and we'll <laughs> all have, you know, we'll all be million dollars. That that's what I'm hoping will happen. So, you know, uh, 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 you know, long live Kathy Wood's prediction of it being a million dollars. And I'm, you know, I I think yes, I think you can call it progressive. You can call it not so progressive, you know, the great Jamie Dimon wasn't very pro-crypto till sure. very recently, and yeah. he's changed. And I think people will change, so yeah. I think it is. Tell me, what are the other challenges that, that you have in terms of Pakistan? And it's not a regulatory view, you know. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, what are the infrastructural challenges? Do you have talent gaps? Yeah. You know, where are the banks sitting in all of this, yeah. right? I'm assuming you're working with a number of banks, right? Um, what are the challenges that you see there? Debt. My, uh, as fintech, especially when you're a credit first fintech, our raw material is cash. Yep. Uh, in other places, the ability to raise debt uh, is much easier. Now, mm-hmm. when I say easy, I mean from a local currency standpoint. One thing Pakistan has comparatively to some other markets is the currency mismatch. So I can raise venture debt tomorrow. I've been approached by the various large venture debt firms. 
but the cost of my financing, <laughs> I was gonna say. once I put in the hedging costs, <laughs> are prohibitive. It, it, may, is, it yeah. basically means I have to be a predatory lender for me to make a margin. Totally. Yeah. Which kills the whole point of being a fintech. Yeah. It's, it's a double-edged sword, right? Especially in an emerging market. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so for, for I think that's one thing, and that's where the banks come in, right? So we have luckily been able to get our first line from one of the large banks domestically, okay. but it was a painful process. Because the problem is no one has done this before. And so it's always a thing. Like there's, there's this fallacy of first mover advantage. Yeah. Much better to be second mover. 100%. So, 100%. So the first, unfortunately. The first, the first one paves the path. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we're trying to like, we're, we're the first mover when it comes to getting debt from one of the banks uh, in a non-prohibitive manner, uh, which which has been great. But if everyone has to go through that process, you just stall the ability for you to actually push financial inclusion, which is, because look, giving credit is the basic bone of the economy and people are going to want it. Uh, but then you're going to, you're literally going to hit a wall because there's only so much equity you're going to raise. Uh, otherwise you're going to dilute yourself to nothing. So as a founder. So debt is one thing that I still think needs to be solved in the country. Okay, let, let me let me ask a question. I'm, I'm diverging a little bit away from from our topic of discussion, and, and and maybe I'm just being sort of selfish. You referred to the word cash a few times. You've obviously referred to the world of digital. When you do give people access to mm. their 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 wages, um, are you putting them all onto a card, or are people actually? you asking for cash or mm. are people putting it on a card and then going straight to an ATM machine and pulling out cash? Yeah. That's kind of first part of my question. Second part of my question is I have a bone of contention. I'm, I'm sort of one of the guys who does not believe that the world should be cashless. Mm. I believe the world should be less cash sure. uh, because there are enough members of our society, right? For whom cash represents more than just the note. Yeah. Right. Um, you can choose to disagree with me on the second sure. one, but you don't have to give me an argument for that. But let's start with the first <laughs> one, right? How is the money being dispersed? What are people, what's the behavior once it gets yeah. dispersed? So that's one thing we spend a lot of time on. Uh, from the get-go to now, we have a call center that speaks to everyone who transacts on a weekly basis. And the question is, what are you using it for? And... For the first part of your question is how we get it to them. So it goes, we're not a wallet player. So we send enough wallets in the country, by the way. So what we do is we send it to any wallet provider that you already use or a bank account that you have. So we can send it directly there. Mm -hmm. That's our interoperable capability. Where they go afterwards is why we have started asking the question, just to ask the question of, what are you using it for? Because we want to make sure that they don't have to leave our ecosystem. This is almost countering your uh, point of the world should move uh, or should not move to all cash. I want the world to move to more cash because, I mean, that's why I love coming to like places like you, Dubai or even uh, when I go to the States and even China did like this great article came out about a guy who went all the way to in-depth, all the way to tier three and didn't take out his wallet. He just mm -hmm. used his phone the entire time. Now, Diverging, but the point is, what we're doing is saying, what are you using this for? And it typically is for uh, bills, uh, medical expenses, uh, school tuition, um, groceries, uh, mobile top-ups. So what we do is say, okay, 
don't go and take out the cash because what they do is they get in their wallet and they'll go to an easy pass outlet for example take the money out and then go pay the bill uh if they have a debit card then they take it out of the machine pay whatever needs required it's like no just do that within our ecosystem so you never have to leave so you can tag that you want to pay this directly from your earned wage access okay so then it makes it completely digital from end to end and you're building that ecosystem for them. exactly right and but you're not a wallet nope how how they accessing that that digital ecosystem because they're using our balance sheet but no how do they access the transaction so do they go onto a website or something no, no. so straight straight through our app so i'll give you an ah, example okay. so yeah electricity bill right so okay right so it's an app okay comes in within so you say okay my bill has come in i owe 2000 rupees to k electric pull out ewa pay to k electric directly through this ecosystem agreed agreed so it makes perfect sense for your business yeah right so thank you for that mm-hmm. and i'm sorry i i i i diverged and uh, and i know you and me fundamentally disagree now that <laughs> the world should be more cashless versus less cash but i'll 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 keep fighting my corner as long as i know i know it's a losing battle but i still fight that bo- <laughs> I, i fight that corner i'm very fortunate uh, thank you you've you know you've been very kind you've obviously been sharing over the last sort of 6 months the growth that 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 you've been seeing and congratulations on that and i must congratulate the fact that you've recently raised i think 17 million us dollars at a value valuation of 90 million thank you very impressive to do that in 6 months um and actually the timing was good too yeah, <laughs> i exactly. must say that luck we, luck over skill we, 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 <laughs> yeah exactly you know luck goes a long way in life it's not just about how smart you are right um spill some secrets what so what how does abhi sort of continue to evolve you know what are the next sort of three or four building blocks is there more product diversifications on the way um are you now geographically ready to to go into other markets yep. um i see a very interesting uh link up between you and remittance companies mm-hmm. Uh I'm sorry I'm out of turn but you know I can't help be myself right uh, uh I think there's there's some some uh, because you know Pakistan's a huge remittance corridor corridor um and and do you see yourself replicating as abhi and again I'm making an assumption that you're going to other markets or are we spinning off abhi technologies here um uh, sorry there's lots of questions yeah. on that right basically what I'm saying is you know what's sort of the next what's the next year like yeah um look definitely diversification of products uh what i'll say is we do what the customer tells us to do so we don't sit in the ivory tower and say this is a great product that we think you should have uh we go to them and say what do you want you now have this what are other things that you're finding problematic in life when it comes to credit and let's help you fix that. Mm-hmm. So something we're launching for example uh very soon is um the first salary insurance product in the market. So basically embedded in the transaction cost of you doing EWA, you're going to now especially as a blue collar worker because people uh, insurance penetration is anyway very low in the country. <laughs> But blue collar doesn't doesn't even exist. Mm-hmm. Um we're launching for anyone who's earning 20,000 rupees plus. So minimum wage by the way is 25,000 rupees. Um you can avail of an insurance product that if you lose your job no questions asked get four months salary paid to you okay uh and we're tying up with a very well known uh, insurance company to do so and we've 
come up with the mechanics to be able to do so. And this was something which when we spoke to our user base, they said, yeah, this is something we have a problem with because we're only short for They don't have savings. Um, and so that's, that's, that's another product. So that's one example of the idea that yes, product diversification is definitely going to happen uh, alongside. Geography is something I'm always looking at, but to be honest, we're only scratching the surface of Pakistan. I agree with it's you. Good, it's, it's deeper and deeper every time you go into it. So um, it's not a rush agenda for me. Mm-hmm. If something is interesting that I'd like to do, then perhaps. But otherwise, Pakistan is deep enough for me to look Yeah, at. I agree with you. And that's what most of the startups that I meet out of India say. Yeah. You know, the market's huge. Yeah. So... So yeah, it's interesting though. Do you, as you move along now, everyone, especially Steve, say, "Oh yeah, do you want to come into Morocco? Or do you want to come into I'm like whoa? whoa, whoa. <laughs> They're close to markets in Morocco. Yeah, yeah close uh, before <laughs> before yeah. I jump into no, no, different geography. Now, Omer, thanks a lot. Uh, I think I've as always overrun. This is fascinating stuff for me because uh, it it it's sort of it's a market that's obviously interested me. Um, I, you know, I, I have lots and lots of Pakistani friends I, I constantly hear, but it's always good to hear from someone who's actually on the ground doing this every day. I appreciate you. I know you haven't specially flown in for this <laughs> event, but I'll make it sound like it is. Uh, and you've obviously done a first with wearing uh, shorts on the couch, <laughs> which I think is the theme that I was going yeah. with. Uh, but my, my, my producer didn't allow me to wear shorts. Uh, either I don't have nice enough legs or he, he just doesn't want me to. I was but wearing flip-flops earlier and my wife said, no, 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 wear, wear shoes at least. Yeah. So, like, so you, you're one of the few people who still listens to his wife. <laughs> like, that's another good thing you do, right? So <laughs> I'll make sure that's how the, the, the talk starts. But no, thanks for coming. Thank right? you so much. And best of luck with Abhi. Thank I'm, you. I'm, I'm fairly confident that, that, that you guys are going to you know, grow and become a power to reckon with uh, in the local fintech market. Thank you so Appreciate much. Appreciate it. Fingers crossed. All right. With that, it's the end of this episode. I'd like to thank Omer for joining us from Karachi, Pakistan, in person here. Omer, as I said, is the co-founder and CEO of a business called Abhi which looks at uh, earned wage access or early wage access in SME financing. Um, he also gave us a great overview on what's actually happening in Pakistan, which, which actually just adds to the show. With that, goodbye till we meet again.